this week, we asked the important question, do you have it? I, I don't know. Uh, welcome to game shows, I suppose. Welcome, everybody, to the Niche Podcast about the one thing. Now, I know something about game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas, episode 77, and this is a big episode. Not because it's Super Tuesday when I'm filming this. Did Birdie win? I don't know. Uh, But it's my birthday episode, too. This is the important annual birthday show uh the that i'm excited about because that means i get to celebrate with you my friends um so this week we'll be talking about nickelodeon guts of kurt schuler but before we get to that we got to get through the news all righty well it's uh my birthday that's the big news of the day my birthday happy birthday jordan also, I've been watching uh, Ray Steady Cook over on the BBC uh, with Frank Clark Neal. And you know what? I, it's growing on me. It's not my end-all favorite uh, show, but something about it is just very charming and warm and comforting, like a, like a nice bowl of tomato soup. Uh, anyway, first, uh, Ease, the funny dance show, has your favorite comedians attempting to move their feet to the beat. As a new competition series premieres Wednesday, March 11th at 10.30 Eastern Pacific. This is the press release. Ease, the funny dance show, has your favorite comedians attempting to move their feet to the beat as new competition series premieres on Wednesday, March 11th at 10.30 p.m. Featuring hosts Justine Marino and Heidi Heelset and judges Lonnie Love, Allison Holker, and Justin Martindale, comedians compete for a chance to win $10,000 for a charity of their choice. Uh, it's a uh, fun dance show. It premieres Wednesday, March 11th, 10.30 as part of their Laughter Hours programming block. Uh, hosts and judges include hosts, creators, and executive producers Justin Marino and Heidi Hilsett. Judges Lonnie Love, comedian, host, co-host, real. Allison Holker, So You Think and Dance, and Daisy with Stars, and Justin Martindale, comedian and TV personality. All right. About the show, based off Justin Marino and Heidi Hilsett's live show developed at the world-famous Comedy Store, the Funny Dance Show takes her favorite dance competitions and turns the genre on its head. The new series showcases what can happen when some of the funniest and sometimes rhythmically challenged comedians become dancing competitors. Regardless of whether they kill it on the dance floor, the end result's always a belly laugh of a story told through fancy footwork. Each week, two teams of comedians will work with professional choreographers and an entourage of backup dancers to try and perfect their steps ahead of a series of 
of judge dance-offs. Come showtime, the comedians try not to literally break a leg while performing for a live club audience, all in an effort to win $10,000 for a charity of their choice. The teams taken to the stage include Jessamy Peluso and Flula Borg versus Candace Thompson and Maz Jabrani. Jay Catapretta and Marcella Aguero versus Daniel Franzi and Irene Choi. Fortune Feimster and Willie Hunter versus Fahim Anwar and Becky Robinson. Ron Funches and Blair Saki versus Adam Ray and Brad Williams. Kel Mitchell and Carly Gibson versus Yamika Saunders and Jeremiah Wilkins and more. The Funny Dan Show is an ugly Brother Studios production with Mike Duffy, Tim Duffy, Justin Marino, Heidi Heaton, and Rob back to the serving as executive producers. <sighs> um, Ugly Brothers, also uh, the award-winning independent production company by Mike and Tim Duffy that produces uh, Eat the World with Emeril Lagasse, Ron Funch's Colin Giggle Fit, and the comedy jam on Comedy Central, Shape of Pasta on Quibi, and that Nickelodeon hit show, Top Elf. <sighs> so, I... Uh, uh, I guess yeah, funny dancing. So I'm going to guess you're going to see guys in high heels and fishnets dancing, and that's the joke. Or you're going to see, uh, let's see, fortunes in it. So they're going to have, like, funny fat people do pole dancing and stripper kind of, like, stripping thing to also ruin the integrity of pole dancing, I assume. I, I'm, I can only assume... This was a, uh, what if we did comedians did this kind of thing, and I fucking don't want to see that, but, you know, it's a game show. <laughs> Who's the funnier dance? Is it funny, or is it better dance, or is it judges determine? Is it audience determine? I don't know. It's a charity thing. They just made a dancing version of lip sync battle, I guess, but lip sync battle, you can dance on lip sync battle. Oh, well. Next, uh, Amazing Race has halted their production on season 33. Now, this is serious stuff. You know, coronavirus has actually uh, been around in the news recently. But uh, they had to suspend the production of season 33. They were in the middle of shooting the next season of The Amazing Race. But because of the coronavirus, according to Variety, due to increased concerns of uncertainty regarding the coronavirus around the world, CBS and the producers of The Amazing Race have taken the precautionary measure of temporarily suspending production of the 33rd season of the series. A network spokesperson said in a statement, All contestants and production steps are in the process of returning home. The statement also emphasized that at this time, no racers or anyone on the production team traveling with them have contact, uh, contracted the virus or shown symptoms, and we are not aware of anyone being exposed to it. Out of an abundance of caution, everyone involved on the show will continue to be monitored when they return home. The health and well-being of the racers and the production team are the top priorities. So, uh, production of Season 33 started a couple weeks ago. Three episodes have been filmed so far. No word yet on when the production might resume again, though. Uh, so, that's fascinating stuff. I, I know coronavirus is a serious issue. It's a big global pandemic right now. And The Amazing Race has been one of my favorite reality shows because of all the sights and sounds and all the locations and traveling tourism. That uh, something like this definitely puts a hinder on performances. And it's one of those things where 
I, I, I hope the show continues, but it will not surprise me if because of things like this, CBS uses this as the excuse to pull the plug on the amazing race. Um, I really, I really like that show though. So I'm a little heartbroken, but, uh, coronavirus is very serious, uh, stuff and you don't know what countries they were going to visit. So, uh, I think they, from what I've heard, they went to the UK first and then they just had to freeze. So, uh, next, Sophia Vergara joins America's Got Talent as new judge. Heidi Klum returns to the mothership. Sir, oh, son of a bitch. America's Got Talent got two vacant judges. Sophia Vergara is joining the summer series, and Heidi Klum, who was a judge for six seasons, is returning. Uh, they're being joined by Simon Cowell, who was America's Got Talent creator and executive producer, and Howie Mandel. Uh, and Terry Crews. So, Sophia, Heidi, Simon, and Howie. Oh, boy. I'm so happy to join my new family on America's Got Talent, says Vergara, who will be making America's Got Talent history. This is a new and exciting next chapter for me, and I'm excited, extremely proud to be the first Latin judge on the show. I can't wait to watch all the talent and have fun with all you guys. Vergara and Klum succeeded Gabriel Union and Julian Huff, who were let go in November after one season of America's Got Talent. Union's ouster sparked controversy and triggered an investigation or allegations of hostile work environment on a reality show. The investigation was supposed to wrap up by the end of July, and its results have yet to be made public. Hmm. Uh, Vergara emerged as NBC's top choice for a replacement when she met with executives from NBC and America's Got Talent producers Fremontal in mid-December. Uh, Klum never left the America's Got Talent franchise. She was a judge on America's Got Talent, the champion since it launched last season. She is just back with Simon, Howie, and Terry. Sophia Vergara's joining us is the icing on an already delicious cake, says Heidi Klum. Oh, boy. Uh, everyone's favorite talent show's back. Can't wait to see which sob story with someone who has some talent ends up winning the golden buzzer. In our hearts, and then a million dollars, because that's what we assume happens, is because you get the million dollars, your life is better now, right? Right, that's how it works. I don't know. Foreign format news. Red Arrow racks up European deals for Block Out. This is from Game Show Newsnet, uh, which linked to Rapid TV News. Red Arrow Studios International has revealed its first wave of deals for a game show format blockout, which has been sold to Endemol Shine Iberia for Spain and Portugal, Tin Can for the Netherlands, and GM6 for France. That's why I'm bringing it up here right now. Once, because Game Show News Net usually is the first on the scene for all these Game Show News. But second, because when it's a foreign format, odds are there's always someone in America or the UK watching in thinking this is their chance to put it out here. In the new format, two teams of four players, each with their backs literally against the wall, battle out with a variety of physical games combining trivia, strategy, and chance. The team's identical walls comprise more than 100 giant blocks. During two rounds, wrong answers and bad judgments see blocks push out in a variety of combinations and speeds, forcing contestants into crazy positions to try and avoid being knocked into a pit below them. The team, which keeps at least one contestant on the wall, wins the round. The final sees both teams stand their ledges above the pit. Incorrect answers make the entire wall creep forward, pushing contestants to the edge and over it. As soon as one team has disappeared, another is declared winner and takes home a cash prize. 
All right, that actually sounds like an okay kind of format. Seems like they're trying to go for like a hole in the wall shapeshift kind of game. I thought this was going to be, when I read it, going to be that weird Japanese format where they're standing on the cardboard boxes and then they pick a number and then like they throw tennis balls and bowling balls and that uh, weird guy was standing on that weird tank and the fireworks blow up. But um, this sounds like uh, that one mode in uh, Dere or or Exit uh, where they are against the wall and they get pushed by the little blocks. But hey, I'll still see how this goes. This seems like an easier to follow format. Uh, and then finally, Quibi news. <sighs> fucking Quibi. Uh, Quibi announces Japanese game show. Let's go, Atsuko! By National Lampoo and Palm Star Media. <sighs> All right, today Quibi announced Let's Go, Atsuko, a new Japanese game show from National Lampoon and Palm Star Media. Logline colon Let's Go, Atsuko is a woke Japanese game show. You really. Woke Japanese game show game master and comedian Atsuko Okasuka leads two civilian contestants through the surreal universe inside her grandma's fridge. In every episode, each contestant, perhaps unwisely, tells Atsuko one thing they love and one thing they fear. These facts can and will be used against them to create tailor-made challenges that test the player's street smarts. <sighs> Executive producers Atsuko Okutsawa, uh, Ryan Harper Gray, Forever Dog, like the entire podcast studio, Forever, beep, 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 dog, and Evan Shapiro. Producers Tatiana Kelly, uh, Ben Kablias, and Sammy Junio. Production companies National Lampoon and Palm Star Media. Uh, Atsuko is represented by Velocity Entertainment Partners and attorney Cindy Ferrelli. Gesner. Well, uh, I'm going to talk this up to National Lampoon still around? Like, I'm not kidding. I thought National Lampoon like bit the dust. Uh, did, was, has there been a craving for more National Lampoon movies? I thought since like Van Wilder, they kind of went, oh, well, we can do sequels, and it just kind of just fizzled out because they realized oh, they can only do so many ball jokes with sports. Right, I think it was like at one point it was just like, what if balls? But hey, it's a woke game show that's Japanese. A woke Japanese game. It's Quibi. It's ten minutes or less. So I am a little unsure what they're aiming for. This is oh, you know what this is reminding me of? Uh, Super Deluxe doing those game shows uh, on Facebook Live. All these Quibi game shows where they're short form formats, they all feel like they're they're these things that are just gonna be like meaningless in the long run. I I mean I I I was told this is based off the podcast Let's Go Atsuko. Uh and I mean you have Forever Dog in the helm. Um I don't know uh what what does that mean? But uh it essentially is uh, a podcast already that being said i hope it's like the podcast because it's usually a live show 
and I, I find it to be funny. When it's like the fears and comedy things, it's kind of played more for laughs. It's not really like, oh, no, snakes and spiders fears. It's kind of like never-ending dread that we're all going to die one day with no love. So here comes like... Here's a bunch of puppies, and all you got to do is just hang on to the puppies. That's it. <laughs> like, it, it's supposed to be jokes and comedy, and she is very hilarious. So, hopefully, it plays out. The problem I have right now is if it plays like the podcast, that podcast runs about 45 minutes to 50 minutes, like almost an hour, and Quibi's 10 minutes. So, are you doing straight to the challenges, or are we uh, amping up the budget? I have no idea. But um, it needs to be played more for laughs and it needs to be played more for like with probably like comedians than really like civilian contestants um, that I'm kind of confused right now. Uh, but we'll see. We will see, shall we? It's Quibi, obviously. Yeah, Quibi. Woo. Let's start today's episode. This week's episode takes us to the year 1992, Nickelodeon specifically, and a brand new action sports game show. In the world where sports was king, Michael Jordan was still at the peak of his career. For some reason, people liking the Toronto Blue Jays and Super Bowl 28 being between the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys, sports was in its prime. People were tuning into ESPN and cable television was growing. For kids, this meant they get to live out their giant sports fantasies. It all began with one reason. The creator couldn't figure out how to dunk a basketball, but what became would be one of the most iconic game shows for American children. A show where kids can live out their wildest sport fantasy. Dunking the basketball was just one of the few things. 
One of them was climbing a volcanic rock known simply as the Agro Crag. This has been one of those shows that has been frequently requested that we cover here on game shows, I suppose, and I figure it's my birthday, and it was my favorite Nickelodeon game show growing up, that I figure today is the day that we can talk about this iconic game show because it's my birthday, and I figure it's a great time to talk about my favorite Nickelodeon game show. That being said, let's head to the aerial bridge, and let's turn the tables. With me on the line from Parents Just Don't Understand, returning champion to game shows, I suppose, Kurt Scheller. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me back. I'm really excited to uh, talk, of course, about the hero of uh, Kentaro Miura's uh, dark fantasy epic, Berserk. Guts, of course, the Black Swordsman. Really psyched for it. Well, no, we're not talking about Berserk this week, although... That is a much much recommended uh, centerpiece, both available in manga or anime form. Um, but the ninety-seven anime, pre- preferably. There are, however, weapons involved in tonight's discussion. I'm sure. Uh, and no, we aren't talking about Guts Man, uh, everyone's twelfth favorite Mega Man villain. <laughs> no, we are talking about Nickelodeon Guts. Do 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 you have it? Uh, do 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 you have it? Guts. Can we jump in and and like talk for just a second about the music? Because the music in this show kicks ass. Um, <laughs> it's from that like yes, like Nickelodeon was um, really like leaning very heavily into the '90s um, aesthetic that was going around. They were making those like those neat little like musical shorts. I remember they had a bunch of, and then and then guts like they have um, like the whole the whole aesthetic is very like. I don't know the the episode that you sent me. That was what, like, like ninety six. Yeah, it was somewhere like, around there. It was a mid nineties episode. I think it was ninety six. Uh, yeah, but the just just like the little musical riff that comes in is like perfectly places it in that exact mid nineties moment. It's so good. Remember, this is the mid nineties. This was now like sports has now returned to television as a mainstream thing. You had your Michael Jordans. You had mm-hmm. your your Charles Barkley's. Your Space Jam was on the w- way. Football was returning. Hockey became a thing. Like everyone's big on sports again. And did I tell my um? Did did I tell my my basketball camp story the 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 last time I was on? I I really don't want to repeat any of my. my You did not during our funhouse episode. (laughs) All right. Um. So so I went to basketball camp for a number of years, which was like a like a week long thing where you basically just did you know like uh, basketball drills all day. Um, and there was uh, there was one day where um, they they had in the morning they would kind of do like like a psych you up talk. This is this is probably I guess it would have been like ninety six ninety seven right around the time that the show was. Um, and in the morning they they asked us uh, what who who is your favorite uh, NBA player? And they had all the Jordan kids who said Michael Jordan go over to one one spot. And then they had all the kids who said Larry Bird go over to another shot uh, spot in the gym where they ruthlessly made fun of us for Larry Bird being our favorite player. And it traumatized me, and I remain traumatized to this day. What is this? The <laughs> Iowa caucus? 
<laughs> That's a ge- nice timely reference. Yeah, this reference very timely. A few weeks after the fact, we're we're so glad. Bernie Sanders won. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sorry for constantly interrupting your 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 intro. Please please talk about guts. Oh yes, <laughs> the introduction sorry. to guts. Okay, so uh, the lyrics. Here's the lyrics of the guts opening the third season forward. <clears throat> It takes a certain kind of person to get the body working to the level of precision that's needed to be risen to the top, Agrocrag. Do you have it? Do, 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 do you have it? It takes a certain kind of something to keep the heart pumping, something everybody needs to achieve to succeed. You need a lot. Do you have it? Do, 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 do you have it, guts? And then it goes that dun, 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 dun. And then it goes into the end credits, and it was like this gospel-y church choir thing. Guts is faith. Guts is drive. Equals energy. So you strive. Guts is strength. Guts is valor. Equals bravery. Equals power. So ask yourself, do you have it? And it just loops. And apparently there's even more lyrics than that, but I'm, <laughs> I've never seen these ever in Guts. What the hell is this? Where did you find the lyrics? Because yeah, yeah I, I don't remember the entire ever being fandom wiki for guts. I looked as <laughs> before the show. <laughs> it's a, uh, your unstoppable endurance in action when you're trying your best and know all things are possible. Boldness unfolding, then you're holding persistence and courage together. You're molding. Sure shot, super clock on top, nonstop. Go getter, good sport, good times. You got to see your goal. You reach and you grab it. Now ask yourself, do you have it? Do you have it? Do, 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 do you have it guts? Do you have it? Do, 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 do you have it guts? It's such a, it's so, it's so perfect. Um, I, and I, I thank you for blessing me with the knowledge of those lyrics because they are really, really like, like I, I'm I'm honestly at this instant having trouble hearing the the that them like fit into the theme music, but just hearing them, I can imagine a '90s song that they would fit to. Like it's such a just even the things about like equals energy. Um, there there was a lot of that kind of like weird positivity. Um, it, it makes me think of uh, what's that one uh, Sammy Hagar, um, Van Halen song. Uh, oh, right here, right now, or yeah. or right now. Oh, that, that, the um, one that was like used the, in the Crystal Pepsi commercials. Yes, exactly. And right actually, when now. I was watching, yep. So, and, and you remember how it goes through that whole like weird like black and white video, and and right it's now, all there like, are kids who do not have clean water. Exactly. Um the the black and white intro to Guts actually reminded me of that a little bit and just like the, the like the black and white kind of like low fidelity video <laughs> cutting between these things. I wish that they had had the aspirational lyrics on it though. <laughs> Anyone can achieve anything. Everyone can be a champion. <laughs> Do you have it? And then suddenly uh, miss the beat. You lose the rhythm and nothing falls in place. No, only missed by a fraction slip a little <laughs> off your pace. Oh, <laughs> It's one of my favorite Van Halen songs, so that's why it's a, it's it's a great Van Halen song. Um, if this were a Van Halen podcast, I would have a lot to say about Sammy Hagar. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we have to go to Cabo Wabo <laughs> to have that discussion. He 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 is a ridiculous individual, and we we do need to get back to 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 the topic at hand. Um, but I, I will say that you know both both front men of of uh, Van Halen were ridiculous individuals, but there's something very Joe Rogany 
um, about Sammy Hagar that that I like and and respect. Uh, the 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 man just can't drive for, uh, 50, you know fifty five. He just can't do it. That was the most controversial MTV music video for a while there. They had that whole special about like if there was crimes <laughs> in this music video, how many how many like tickets and criminal activities are in here? Yeah. And uh, and, and and funny fact is uh, the studio uh, that does those MTV things, that's the same studio as Nickelodeon. That's what There we go. Beautiful transition. So the connection there is that was actually one floor up where they did the pitch film for Nickelodeon Guts. Hi. Uh, see, I, I knew how to transition. All right. I can't even so, imagine the pitch film for it. That that must have been a trip. So, are you ready? The creator of the There's three creators for the show. Uh one of which is Albie Heck, then there's Scott Fishman and Byron Taylor. It's according to a book called Slimed which eh, take it or leave it if you want. Uh, the reason of the game um, being created was because basketball was a big thing. And one of the creators, Albie Heck, had a lifelong dream of just wanting to dunk a basketball. Because <laughs> he's kind of not that tall, but he always wanted to have that leap to jump and dunk a ball. And it was that aspiration that made him want to create a show like Guts. Like, if I wanted to dunk a ball, surely, like, a nine-year-old would want to do it, too. It makes sense. I, I mean, um, so the episode that, that you sent me to watch, um, you know, they're, they're, the, the very first thing that they do, I don't want to spoil the flow of, of, of the episode later. So I, won't, I won't describe the event, but it involves bungee cords. Like they're an aerial, the they're first an aerial event see. on the aerial bridge. Yep. yep. <laughs> Uh, and that it's like it's immediately cool. Um, I remember watching this like as a kid, and I desperately wanted to be hooked up to those those like bungee cord things and be doing some kind of bouncing thing. But uh, but yeah, no, it, I I can sympathize with that. I I am tall, um, but uh, I cannot dunk a basketball. Um, I would have loved to as a kid. I would love to now too. So you know, I I sympathize with that. Uh, the one we saw, if you were, if you can find it, was episode seventeen of season one. <laughs> so it, it, that's our play along episode today. Uh geez, seems a long. The first event it was, was a great called, episode. The first event was Bullseye. It's so usually it there's there's so here I have to do the whole the game show. I suppose like what's an everyday episode of Guts like? Um. It's played like a. It's played like an event. It's it's a sports themed game show with three contestants, one in the radical red, one in the ballistic blue, and one in the powerful purple. Uh, that's what they call it. So I have to refer to it as such. And uh, now I I thought that they said in this episode brazen blue and relentless red. It was first season, so maybe they were just trying to figure out adjectives okay. that like are alliterative. Uh, in in the uh, punch bowl purple, in the <laughs> raspberry red. Uh, no, and they each get their own little like introduction sequence from Mike O'Malley. That's right, Mike O'Malley, star of Yes, Dear, Glee. He won an Emmy for Glee, by the way. He was good in that show. Um, he's uh, he's he just wrapped up. Being in the good place. Um, I, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine earlier today, and and I mentioned guts, and he immediately mentioned Mike O'Malley, and then immediately mentioned that he is he's like the the key holder. I think his uh, his his name is in uh, in in the good place. 
Um, I did not recognize him uh, because he's very bald now. Um, and, yes. uh, he looks this very, very, very different. He had a bit of a fro. Yeah. It, it wasn't, I mean, in the episode that we watched, it wasn't quite a fro. It was just, it was definitely that, like, that, uh, like overly, it, it was like definitely poofy nineties hair. Um, but, uh, but he had a real, he, you know, it, I, I looked him up, um, and, uh, learned that he is of course from, from Boston. Uh, and immediately it was like, yes, he's, he's very from Boston. Like you, his, his whole demeanor and character that he presents is, is very like, Hey, I'm the Boston guy. That's not what Ex- guys from Boston oh, sound and like. This is not even like his first game show appearance too. Yeah. <laughs> he did get the picture before this. Which was just like a quiz show with figuring out objects, and then he just screams out <laughs> "Power Surge," and then here he is wearing like some uh, Boston jerseys, and then pointing at the camera. No matter what, whenever he's on camera, for some reason it's a Dutch angle, or he has his finger like right at the lens, like he can yeah, never let um, go of it. And then he just has to make sh- like some sort of like ten to fifteen second like prerogative like imagine you're daryl strawberry trying to catch a football from 500 feet imagine you are uh larry bird trying to kick a soccer ball (laughs) he um confused he he, he peppers it with like pop culture references um he actually he made a van halen reference um he said uh, you might as well jump yelled out and then immediately yelled out georgia the jungle apropos of of nothing um and uh yeah so he he's he's like constantly peppering things with his uh this, these like weird little like pop culture references which which i i guess were were, were timely at the time um because I, I think that that uh even george of the jungle i believe that that uh brendan fraser uh movie was was coming out around then um but then but then there also no trees there was one... at all in any of these challenges <laughs> Well, there there is the uh, there's the the like bungee cord jungle in in the next event I, I think is what he was referring to in that instance. Um, but there was one really nice. Uh, do, do, is there an industry term for like the little talky segments before the event? I wanted to call it like a promo, but it's not. It's not quite what it is. I, like a pre oh the pre the pregame interview. I don't know what they would really call it in the world of game show. They would usually just say that's just an interview. Okay, so so he had a really nice one where um, it was it was a water event, and I guess he was holding like he had some water in his palm, and oh, after setup. he That's finished his little spiel, yeah, was the that? whole setup of like we're in the water. But uh, then he threw the water at the camera lens, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a nice, it's a nice like dynamic shot. It feels it feels engaging for me as the audience." And that's actually the case because typically. Uh, in the rule of guts, I hate I hate to just go through like what's the rules of guts? So there's three teams, they go through four events, and then the fifth event being the aggro crag. Don't worry, aggro crag is going to be like the biggest chunk of this episode. Uh, <laughs> and the rule of four events is one's an aerial event. That's like the one we t- talked about, like bullseye or slam dunk, or or uh, I think one's called spiral, where they have to go off a bouncing the bungee cord, jump down, and then do an action. Like, throw a ball, shoot a Nerf gun, which is the one we saw. <laughs> one has to be in a pool of water. And it's either a swimming event or a grab the buoys or grab giant inflatables and swim. They always try to come up with some sort of race. Uh, one has to be done on an obstacle course or around a track. One's a track event. 
And then one is an on-field game that's not attached to an aerial bridge. So that's like a, a hit the baseball as many times as you can, defend the soccer goal as many times as you can. Or I think there's one where there is basically like a, like it's tip, it's kind of an aerial event where it's basically like grab a ball and then dodgeball it. <laughs> Uh, and each of these events uh, has some sort of rule in play where it's like best time wins, most blanks wins, first is 300 points, second 200 points, third is 100 points. I uh, keep going for four games, and then the fifth game is the aggro crag, which is kind of like the end-all be-all game with the scores being uh, skyrocketed up 725, 550, 375. Most points after all five events, which is all four of these meal funded games and the fifth one aggro crag, wins the game. And their grand prize is a trophy, which is a piece of the Radical Rock, the Aggro Crag, and uh, a gold medal. So so I, I know that you are a uh, game show historian, and I'm sure that you are heavily, heavily prepared for this. I, I, I feel no shame about uh, springing this question on you. Did anybody ever win the Aggro Crag and not win the show? No. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few times that's happened. That seems shameful to me. That would be, that would be horrific. Oh no, uh, that, no! What, a couple be... of times, what's happened is someone who was aced like the entire game, like 400, 400, 400, mm-hmm. got disqualified and they got third place. Ah, uh, so, okay, that makes sense. So they technically get forced third place of that rule. That's happened a few times because there's so many rules in an aggro crag, and kids sometimes don't listen to them, or and I'm going to say it. No doubt in my mind it happens, but it's like it's when you see the chaos in that final round and you are in if you're in that aggro crag, I don't blame these kids for breaking the rules because it's it sounds like it's straightforward. You have to hit eight buttons and then the final one at the top. You can't go to another player's part of the course, Mm -hmm. but when things are like like confetti is shooting at your face and slimes in your face and then suddenly there's like rollers and you're slipping or you're climbing up a brick wall but you forget to hit a button or you accidentally go into the other player's course because oh this looks like a place i'm supposed to go because it just looks like a little bridge i've already went over some rocks so these are some rocks people get uh disqualified all the time so that's that's happening constantly people and sometimes people actually make it to the top of the aggro crag, get told, you missed one, you have to go down, and then suddenly, yeah, they, they, they lose. Yeah, it's it's very, um, it, they should really have like a better system for letting you know that you missed an, an actuator, by the way, not just a button. Um, they, they had a nice term for it. But the thing is, it's like uh, all the actuators light up the same color of light, and they all look the same. It, w- it would be really easy to have, you know, all the the blue actuators be for the blue team and so on and so forth. So you'd actually know where you were. And it's kind of baffling that they didn't do that. Um, and I, I assume I, so I, like, I have to assume that they wanted it to be a little bit confusing for the people in the moment. Uh, yes, they wanted to be because conf- to build it takes a month. And then they was also con- but the thing is everyone's course is the same. It's all equal, but it's the the problem is if you are in the middle if you're in the middle part of the mountain, uh, you you are the most screwed because you know you don't have any verification of which is your path because you see mm-hmm. a blue and you see the other side, and you're like I don't know. Um, 
but if you're on the blue side, you kind of know like, well, stay far to the left. And then if you're on, the, I believe mm-hmm. it's, pur- I think purple's on the far right. So if you're in the purple, you're just like, well, stay to the right, stay to the left, stay to the right, and just keep going through the course. Um, but other than that, no, it's confusing. They intentionally do like tricks to try and throw you off. Like there's one little ramp where there's where you suspect there's an actuator and there's not one, but it's right behind it. So you have to like reach over and, and slap button. <laughs> like they're they yeah. Do, I... Go ahead. They they try and do it. Um, and it's and I'm with you. It I. But, I know this is like they're trying to make that the big epic final event, kind of like American Gladiators. Like you did all of these events, and that's the time, and that's the head start. If you win, you win. It, they don't do it with this show. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean there, there there is a lot of uh, like the the showrunners often have the dastardly showrunners often have their their hands on on the uh, scales a little bit to you know not not in terms of like trying to influence the the uh the outcome but in like i remember in the the one that we watched um there was one where the kid just like straight up couldn't do the one event and so they kind of like came over and pushed him along and they penalized him but they only penalized him like two seconds um it was the uh it was the 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 uh, it was this I think it was called Invisible Boat. Invisible Boats, yes, where they were suspended over a pool and given, um, they and gave or them a, a bungee cord. Like, what good is this? Yeah. Um, but so, so I, I, I know you wanted to talk primarily about the aggro crag, but I, I actually had some really strong feelings about, um, e- even like each of the individual events. So, like, oh no do, problem. Do we'll you go mind if, all of these? Cause... Okay, good, because I've, I've got especially the Nerf gun one. I've got some takes about that. So the one we saw, uh, it was uh, Bullseye, which was Nerf Guns. Uh, second event was the uh, Obstacle Course. I, don't, I, I usually call it something different. Like I think it's basic training is usually what they say. Third is Invisible Boat. Fourth was uh, was the was this was Wild Pitch, where they basically had to catch baseballs. <laughs> and I thought that was like the funniest thing. <laughs> and then finally, Agra Craig. That was our set five. For this, um, the baseball one is was very darkly comedic. Yeah, uh, where do we want to start first with this? Uh, you want to start with the uh, first the Nerf gun, Nerf gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the Nerf gun. Yeah, I, I mean, I was I was kind of blown away by by that. Um, most of these kids' game shows, I I feel like the the the, the real good stuff doesn't actually start um until like partway through the episode like I- i'm trying to think of what the first the first activity on legends of the hidden temple is the moat um it's the moat. yeah so you have to get across but if you hit the water you have to go back then you hit the button like, and then you have to hear a, a story yeah which like is I, I don't know like it's it's not super impressive compared to like the good stuff that you know is coming but this was awesome. Like the kids are were super into it. They were like jumping off, bouncing, and the, the so those those Nerf bow and arrows, um, a were the coolest shit when they came out. Um, I, I remember oh, having <laughs> massive Nerf that. wars. Um, but but B, 
those things barely worked. Um, like compared to a Nerf, this is, is going to make me sound really old. Compared to, compared to Nerf guns today, th- those those old Nerf guns like had barely any oomph to them. Like if you really snapped it, like those those Nerf Arrow, like the full size ones, the oh, original yeah. ones, like they're using here, would maybe go like twenty feet. Um, and I don't even think that they have this. The, is the, the foam rubber suction cup ones. So it's yeah. like, and, and we saw a few times in this event, if they shoot the arrow it and it's dead on, it's still, if it falls off because suction cup didn't work. Oh, I thought it was Velcro. It was a suction cup. Uh, I think, no, you're right. It might be a Velcro. But yeah, like, like a, a bunch of them like fell off. Um, like there, there were a bunch of times that the kids would, would kind of like shoot them and the 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 dart would just kind of go like because I was noticing kind of like some of them wobble back and forth and then they fall yeah. off. I thought it was just because suction cup. Maybe you're right, it is Velcro. Uh, and they jump 15 feet off the aerial bridge. It's uh, cool, man. Like like this is exactly the sort of stuff that I, I mean, I I really like you know kids game shows as a kid, and I kind of still like watching them as an adult. Like it it doesn't it doesn't hold my attention very very well. Um, I, I think that they're they're a lot more re- repetitive than adult game shows tend to be because I, I think I think they expect kids to get more wrapped up in the spectacle of it. It's like wow, cool. And also, of course, you know, like when when Guts was airing, you would only be able to watch Guts like sporadically unless you really like paid attention to when it was on. Um, so, you know, it's it's not like now where you can watch you know ten episodes of of the the thing in a row. Um, but like the SpongeBob or Loud House, right? Exactly. But but like the just the 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 idea of like bouncing super high and shooting a bow and arrow at a target is exactly the sort of dumb thing that a kid would come up with that would keep them entertained for hours and would be incredibly fun, kind of dangerous. Um, you know what what struck me though is as a kid. Uh, I did not notice just how much the the like safety helpers or whatever they're called oh, the were, stunt spotters were, the gray shirts yeah I like to say yeah they're doing a lot and as a kid I didn't even notice their presence and as an adult I'm like oh good there's adults present you know making sure they're not gonna die the, but all you notice as a kid and and even when I was growing up is you just notice the, like the one sitting on the silence just clapping like yeah good job keep going keep it up like moral support kind of thing. Yeah, and actually, like as they finish playing, um, I, I definitely specifically noticed in the bow and arrow one that the the spotters were like leaning over, being probably like, "Yeah, good job, good job, kid. Yeah, good, good hustle, good hustle." I don't know. It, do, I, I it I'd felt like a coach, know. like a coach in a sports event. A coach. No, exactly. Yeah, and, and so I mean, that's the other thing I was going to say um, is uh, like. Like it feels it's filmed like a sporting event and they they have like it, it feels like you're watching like the Olympics, um, but with kids where like they, they have these shots of the players like walking away from the event and the, the coaches are like following them being like good hustle. And, and again, what I was going to say is um, I, I'm really curious and I'll find out in a couple of years if coaches still say good, good hustle. Um because it was one of those like coachisms that like doesn't really make any sense. Um, it's like, like walk well, it off, kid. Walk it off. They wanted it more. Um, and, and so I'm I'm curious if that's like like a '90s relic or if they still say that or if there's maybe there's some new thing that coaches say now. I don't know. I'm sure. my my oldest is is not quite four, uh, and so 
Um, I still have a couple a couple years before I get to find out what what coaches are like now. You figure it out. Um, so uh, there. So here's all the aerial events. I'm just going to go straight to. I'm going to say the names and then kind of like very quickly what the event is because it's usually get from point A to point B or whatever. So uh, bullseye is the one we did. Shoot the dart into the air into the bullseye. Uh, it is Velcro. I just confirmed it's Velcro. Um, 60 seconds, 45, and one episode. One slam dunk. Get the basketball, dunk the basketball. Uh, one, over the top. It's a high jump competition. Spirals. Same as bullseye, but with footballs. Make your mark. Uh, basically a long jump competition. Uh, but with their feet. They have to like hit a giant slime mat and then put like kick the wall. Uh, Always spike- with the slime. Spike it. It's kind of similar to all these aerial events, but now they have to spike a volleyball. You know, like that when you do a spike jump, like you have to jump up and then spike it. For the uh, spike jump, did they have people like tossing up the volleyballs? Am I remembering uh, that correctly? Players jumped off the bridge and tried to hit a volleyball over a net onto a target. Each player received five serves. If a player received a false serve, they were allowed to take that serve over again. Most after five wins. Uh, longest hmm. yard. Model after long jump competitions. That's the one I was. I got confused. Off the wall is it, my favorite. Is off the wall. By the way, this that's one of my favorite Nickelodeon guts events. Uh, so they did like a replica of the Green Monster, and every uh-huh. single time I've seen it, Michael Malley just has a freak out because Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh gee, Red like the Boston Red Sox catching the ball at the World Series, and you're like, Mike, they haven't been in the World Series in like thirty years at this point. Um, and then it's the, uh, so what it is, is they basically like Velcroed baseballs to a wall and all you had to do was go on the aerial bridge and then like wipe away the baseballs. (laughs) So they fall off the wall. That's yeah. Okay. I can perfectly picture that now. That's, it's such a funny, like, it's, it's funny how these things make sense because you grew up like seeing them and, and like that kind of makes them real in, in a way. But like that, that doesn't make any any sense as as a competitive event. It's just it's just kind of like exists um, unto itself, and and ha- it, it can only be defined in terms of itself. Like there's, I I I, I can't think of, of any particular like, activity to compare it to where you would be jumping up and like knocking things off off of a wall. <laughs> knocking I, something. I thought it was going to be the opposite. I thought it was going to be jumping up and sticking stuff to to the wall because I definitely remember that was the the uh, that was off that was the wall where you put your feet up and then whack oh okay yeah um okay then there's uh off the wall uh, okay then jump jump uh it's the hurdling event you have to hurdle 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 uh come back um rebound uh a basketball was placed on a solitary container middle floor players who were in three different corners jumped off the aerial bridge oh that was what i was talking about earlier and they have to grab it and take it back and counts as a rebound there's jump ball uh now it's this it's the same as rebound uh, but now you have to put the basketball in the hoop, like a dunk. Attack, uh, attack is is basically longest yard or slam, but with a lacrosse stick. And I remember that was the first time I ever learned about lacrosse. Whistler guts. I was wondering what the game was. The, so, um, the first time I learned about lacrosse was uh because I thought that that's what they were doing in uh, in Tron. Um, there's. There's a game in Tron. Man, they should have made a Tron game show. Just going to throw that out there. My idea that is like 40 years too late now, but um, that would have made a good game show. 
Um, but uh, uh, there's there, there's a game in Tron where they they have these kind of like big scoops, except they they have them on their on their hand. It's actually supposed to be highlight. Uh, but I, I remember asking my parents what that was, and they said lacrosse. So, I uh, there is. I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, a lot of people like to theme stuff around Tron, especially in the last couple of years. Uh, I non-disclosure agreement, but I'll still say there has been pitches at the Big Brother uh, Challenge place for like a Tron like event. So you're in the right wheelhouse. Really? This, I, I mean, the the reason the that it's, game. it's like a frisbee throw game. That's that's okay. So that, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, there was a there was a video game version of that called Ricochet about uh, twelve years ago that that Valve um, put at uh, put out attached to uh, some version of like a Half Life expansion had that. But it's it's on my mind because I was just on uh, the uh, Sleezoids podcast um, talking about about Tron, uh, and so my my brain is like fully Tronified. So I, I apologize if uh, I keep talking about about Tron. <laughs> Tron, but Tron's good. I don't know how you can replicate the cycles, though. That's the only. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, you'd uh, you'd need like like paper streamers or or something coming out the back of 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 a bicycle. I I, I don't think you can. Uh, and then you have a shootout, which is uh, basically kick a soccer ball while it's placed on the aerial bridge. Uh, one that people might remember, and I want to say this again and again, because I think this is where, don't tell anyone, I think this is where Guy Fieri got it. Uh, Slam-a-jamma. Oh. Slam-a-jamma, 30 seconds to score baskets in a hoop inside of a center cylinder while the other players try to reject the shots. Everyone gets 30 seconds, two defenders, one just dunk. Um, you can't touch the basket, you can only slap the ball out of someone's hand. Uh... And uh, because it's called Slam a Jamma, and this is the '90s, that's where I think Guy Fieri got the term "Slam a Jamma" off the hook. Up and uh, double play. It's like the touchdown game, um, but now it's with baseballs and different cannons. Uh, dodge it is the dodgeball version of that. Zero G is one I remember in the later seasons. Uh, it, it's, I would say it's one of my other favorite events. It was like an obstacle course where they're attached to the bungee cord, but they were tilted 90 degrees. So they were like on the side looking like sideways <laughs> and they had to go through like a little obstacle course that was really like go around like a track that's like 50, like 20 feet in the, off the ground. And it was like, go, go like w- try to walk like you're in, in zero gravity, hit the trampoline, jump over like a, like a hurdle Go around and then do another like, couple events. It was so. Um, I I have an update uh, about about the Slamajama. Um, apparently, and I suspect that because in guts it, it was a basketball event, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently, from 1982 to 1984, uh, Phi Slamajama was a nickname for the University of Houston uh, men's college basketball. Uh, team that was coined by a sports writer Thomas Bonk, which is a good name. That's a that's a great name there. Um, and uh, they, were, they were, yeah. <laughs> uh, they so uh, they, that was a nickname that was used in like the early '80s for this one college basketball team that that featured uh, future Hall of Fame players Hakeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. Uh, so I bet that that's that's where that originally came from, and that it made its way up through guts 
Um, and from there, perhaps, to Guy Fieri. That makes... Actually, now that makes a lot more sense. Uh, later version, touchdown, up and down, peak to peak. Uh, it was just one of the little mountain peaks. It was very cool. Um, uh, they had basically was trying to be... They had like fake like snowboards, fake sleds, and all this stuff. A triple dunk was longest yard, but with three attempts to jump. Uh, like a triple jump. And then they did a uh, sky ball, which was just uh, shoot balls out of cannons. I'm okay, astonished now. that they had so many different events for each thing. Like, were, were they all like that? Or was that just, just uh, the sky bridge? That was all the sky bridge stuff. And sometimes it was all together. Sometimes it was on the side. Then you got your basic training gym, which I would call a track event, um, which is your basic training and then something called extreme dot uh, stream baseball, uh, <laughs> which was just basically the basic course. But now it's they say you're going to touch different bases before sliding home onto the big safety pad, <laughs> uh, which is actually speaking of which the second event <laughs> was basic training, the little obstacle course. Yeah, I, I wasn't super impressed by uh, by by this particular event in the episode, but. Uh, this is where um, the 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 hero of the episode, uh, Laura the Brute, they 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 were calling her, yeah, or they, Michael they, they Malley spill was your guts, her. and they gave her a nickname, the Brute. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, I I have to say, um, one of the things, so so when when they do spill your guts. Uh, it's like a little player profile that they do, and they they do they do the kids' names. Um, uh, earlier in the episode, they've announced the school that they're from, which I I thought was very interesting. That definitely gave it like a like the sense that these were like four champions arising from different parts of the country to to compete for glory. Yeah, um, well, well, you know, like when they do it for basketball, like they go like from blah blah college number eight, or when they exactly. do like, or I think they even did that for the Super Bowl, didn't they? Like they had like here's so and so originally from this university. Yeah, yes, yes. They they do that. Yeah. Um But imagine that, but instead of like university you just say like from from Dwight Eisenhower Elementary School. Yep. <laughs> uh but then they also have three little like tidbits. So um I remember one of the kids they were like, Oh, they're a uh they were able to talk their dad into letting them drive the car. They were able to, you know, do this and that. Uh and and, and so the the, the the only girl in the episode, uh, L- Laura, um, one of the things that they mentioned about her was practical Joker. And the yes. word Joker stood out to me um, because she had true Joker energy. Uh, she was absolutely clowning on all of the other players beginning, not so much in the first event, um, but every event after that, uh, the, the other players were like not even present. Um, and I, I remember... Uh, specifically in the obstacle course one, uh, she actually had like a bad start, but then there, there's that that like uh, f- folks like think about that like bungee cord jungle gym thing that they always have in like kids museums and stuff. Um, it was that all the other players were trying to like climb their way through it. She just went under everything and just shot through it. And uh, Michael Malley just started losing it, like absolutely going like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe she's doing this. It's just like a world record. Um, he was doing like like a great job and uh, it, it, like established her as to, for me, like the the rising 
star of the episode and from there my my attention was was held wrapped so and then like the final part the finishing part of the basic uh in basic training was a slide into the pool of water <laughs> yes and michael melly was i'm not gonna say creepy but he every single time they had to cut to replay to the slide it's like oh yeah now he's like i'm a little thirsty gonna have myself a little <laughs> sip of water <laughs> a little thirsty <laughs> you're just like wow <laughs> This is weird. Um, but no, like, like this was first season, so this was like the chain bridge. Eventually, do like a vine swing, and mm-hmm. the thing that I, I vaguely that. I remember the most was that free fall, because that's a stunt event. Like that theoretically is stunt. Jump off yeah. the thing and land into the padding, and it got me thinking. This is kind of like a precursor to a lot of later on game shows that revolve around heights and bungee cords and yeah. Jumping. Like yeah, this like, fuck as your soon factor. as this started, <laughs> yeah. Well, so as as soon as this started, you know, it, it made me think more of um of yes, like half Fear Factor and half like like uh, Ninja Warrior type type stuff. Like there, there's like a little bit of that aspect to it, but the the stylistic decisions aren't there. It's again, it's all filmed and shot, and the set is dressed to look like an Olympic event. Um, in the so, extreme like, even, arena, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which and I mean um, Moira Mo uh, the uh, the the referee is, is, yeah uh, she's the referee yeah. is wearing like like a uh, like a Footlocker referee type outfit um, <laughs> and and really establishes that like that sports feeling it, that felt she she looks like like a soccer re- a referee more than anything else. Um, and uh, it definitely like it is not a stylistic mismatch uh, to Ninja Warrior, but a- apart from that, like the type of action, the way that it's filmed, like definitely could have been an American Ninja Warrior type type competition. That's you're you're speaking like right like five steps ahead of the should this be revived? If so, how? And you're just going straight, oh Ninja sorry Warrior, <laughs> make this Ninja Warrior, <laughs> which they actually don't have like a Ninja Warrior for kids, so. Uh, Haven't Ninja they done Warrior like, like one-off episodes? I uh, could have sworn I, I've seen like, like like a kids special for for Ninja Warrior. Yeah, they do that now. Uh, we we I did. Uh, I, it was such a weird episode. I remember uh, doing that episode with Scott Benson. I, I watched American Ninja Warrior with Scott Benson from Nine Woods. It was so weird. Nice. Uh, Terrific game. Seems like a cool dude. So yeah, sounds awesome. A wonderful man. Wonderful man. And that's why we welcome everyone here on the show. Um, Mo, by the way, speaking of Mo, Mo, which is the only person ever calls her Mo, while at Quirk, uh, she's a voice actress. Really? Uh, in what? So she's been in like almost like name any kind of cartoon in like the last 20 years. Like she. She was uh she voiced in she voiced it was a voice in Xenogears. Uh she was uh a, a voice in Wild Thornberries. Uh I'm trying to think of, like mainstream characters. Like she's always uh she she played a friend in My Life as a Teenage Robot. I got to go through her whole IMDb profile. Hang on. And then she was in this and in this um okay, so oh she's in Skyrim. She was also a voice in the Castlevania television series. Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, and most recently, Wonder Pets in an episode. She also 
uh, did something, uh, reprised her role as Mo in an episode of Sanjay and Craig. Nice. Uh, Sanjay and Craig, as you know, is that funny uh, Nickelodeon show uh, uh, with Sanjay Patel and then Craig the Snake, voiced by uh, game show host. We, I don't know if he's canceled yet as of the time of this recording, uh, but let's just say points. It's Chris Hardwick. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he's canceled for me. Um, I, he's, he what was. What do you mean he's canceled? He's never, canceled. Uh, so, so we have fun. What's, we the, have... what's the opposite of being canceled? Being ordered to series? For me, he was never ordered to series, so he can't even be canceled because he was he was never on the air to begin with. He was never <laughs> he never reached that mushroom to get shelled into being canceled. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, that so makes... I, I I have one more uh, role to add to Morbid Quirk. Uh, she was uh, the the Dunmer thief Carlia uh, in the Elder Scrolls Skyrim. All right, no, who's that's... a member of the Thieves Guild, um, who you 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 may recall, uh, you assuming mean... that you found that particular quest line. So. I should probably replay that. I should also keep playing Skyrim. Um, <clears throat> now back to the guts. Uh, <laughs> after the Spill Your Guts series, we get to another event, and we'll go through all the track ones. These are some of my favorites because these are all like foot race kind of things or fastest time wins. One was Moon Race. We didn't see it, but it's, I would say it's one of the most iconic moments in Guts was Moon Race. Uh, Kurt, you might have remembered this one. This was an event where it was a foot race with the catch being all of the contestants had to wear moon shoes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Those were cool, man. Those those were one of those things that like you saw on TV and you thought they were going to be the coolest thing ever and your parents are like they're not going to be that cool and you're like no it's going to be awesome and then and then you eventually talk them into getting it and you you swear you're going to use them every day uh and then they're they're not actually that that cool but for something about them like on tv they look cool and even even in guts i remember them looking cool now that you've mentioned it uh and then they did wild wheels which was a, a tricycle race and then eat my dust which was a bmx bike race uh, then you had Blade Runner. Can you guess what they used in that race? Uh, spinners, as designed by Sid Mead in the 1982 science fiction classic Blade Runner. I, Which I based assume. adapted off the book. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it's a, it's, it was, uh, of course, rollerblades. Uh, then Tornado Run, which was a foot race with the gimmick being like wind would be blowing like all sorts of stuff, like leaves, to make it feel like you're going too fast. It was also the only event in the history of Guts to actually have an injury that actually decided to knock out a player for the rest of the game. Oh, wow. Uh, that's why I had to bring that up real quick. Uh, what, 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 what happened? Uh, okay, so uh, Katya uh, sprained her ankle during a run. Uh, and then she, mm-hmm. It was basically during the Global Guts era of the show. Uh, I... I, I'm really surprised that that's the only injury that they've ever had. I, I mean, so so like, you know, ki- kids are very durable compared to adults. Um, like, you know, you can uh, a, a lot of adults break their ankles for basically like no reason. Like they just like step in a weird way and your ankle explodes in, into like a million pieces. That's kind of what Whereas, happened because it was a foot race. There's no way to do safety right. for a foot race. But what I was going to say is like kids 
um, just because like their like ligaments and everything are still like ki- kind of stretchy, tend to just kind of like roll and bounce off stuff, and they're fine. Um, when I was like five or six, like I fell down the stairs, like head first down the stairs, and like rolled down the stairs. And I remember I just I just popped up at the bottom. I was like, well, that was weird, and like kept going. And now I would die. I would die if I fell down the stairs. Oh no. <laughs> And that's why Wipeout no longer exists as a game show. Yeah. No, um. <laughs> do you have it? Yes, if you were a kid. If you were an adult, no, you do, you, you do not no. have it. Healing factor does not work the older you get. <laughs> uh, then the last game was Mad Max, which is just uh, the tricycle game, but now they kind of make it look like a car, and there's potholes. And, oh, it looks so cool. And you're um, hunting for, for gasoline, and, and uh, there's, yeah, there's, there's uh, the uh, Lord Furiosa Humongous. shows up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, and then we get to an, an interview, an in-game interview with Michael Malley from the kids. Hey, you did well over there. What's it like? Another spill your guts happens. I always like when the, when he asks kids, like, how did you do out there? And the kid is yeah. still out of breath. And they have to like, go like, I just uh, just wanted to get the job done. All right, well, you got first place. Mo, back to the scores. <laughs> One of these kids, um, I, I think it was Chris uh, in this in this episode. I think was the the blue player, maybe. Um, yeah, was was the one who Michael Malley went up to and and, and was like, "What was your?" I, I think he asked him like, "What was your strategy?" And, and the the kid, the uh, Chris started answering exactly like a professional sports player would where they talk for a while but they don't actually say anything i kept my uh, eye on like, the well, game i uh <laughs> just yeah, uh, yeah i, I, I just thought back to to what to what my coach was what was telling me and and we went over this event dozens of times and i i just tried to keep my eye on the prize and and you know i tried to keep my head in the game and and you know it just it just came together so sometimes it happened yeah and he he went through it it was like perfect um and i was i was like i was honestly like kind of impressed at his uh the, the kids like presence on on camera um all all of the kids in in the episode that 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 we watched had like very good camera presence again though laura had the best camera presence and then we go to the pool pool is my, is the aqua events this is the weird ones where Mike has to say they're thirsty and there are people in the pool who are stun spotters and all they do is clap. They don't really help much. Uh, Except in this event. Yeah, one actually did have to help and they're like, oh, well. None of the, only one of the kids. So, so in this event, uh, Invisible Boats, which we mentioned briefly before, they were kind of suspended over the pool uh, and they gave them a canoe paddle and said, you can't, you can't, use your hands you have to paddle in the water um all of the contestants except for one clearly had no idea how a paddle worked because they were just kind of like hitting the water with the paddle um and yeah one of them was just staying perfectly still and the the helpers eventually came over and kind of like gave them a shove to give them some speed except (laughs) for the hero of the episode laura who literally ran across the top of the water Doing like let like a like a road runner wily coyote type move. <laughs> you um, you and her thing, meet me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh the like a Scooby Doo exit. Like the, the Anna Barbera bongos. Like wheeling like an invisible bike. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like shooting across the water. And again, my, Michael Malley is absolutely losing her. I've never seen someone do this before. This is incredible. Um, you know, like these these hosts of the of the kids shows especially don't get enough credit. 
um, in the sense of like, I, I feel like, you know, for, for a kid, like if, if they get a sense that you are taking it seriously, they'll take something seriously. If, if you're into it, they'll get into it. Um, and I mean, in these shows, like it's really all on the adult hosts to both be hosting and also to kind of be constructing that, that environment for, for the kids. Because I mean, like gym class is not super fun. Sometimes it is depending on the game. Dodgeball is fun. Um, when you got to play with the, those like, those like hockey sticks that have like the foam on the end, that was always fun. But like a a, a lot of gym classes and super fun, like sports practices and super fun, but with guts, they managed to, to like, like Michael Malley manages to get the kids so amped up that it feels as if it's, uh, much cooler than it, than it actually is. Like, like it's, it's cool. Anytime you're hanging by bungee cords is pretty cool. Um, but you can tell how into it these these kids are. And He's so I, leaping I have to 18 give him feet of off the ground, folks. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it, the it way really, he says it, it doesn't make it sound like scary. He's not trying to make it look intimidating. He's not saying like, you're going to fall 18 feet into the... No, he's going like 18... He leaped 18 feet. Like, it's possible he could do this. <laughs> Amazing. Right. So do you, do you know where the... I, 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 so I, I assume that the audiences for these shows were like what, like pe- people who came to Nickelodeon Studios. I, I would yeah, assume Orlando, so. They were probably like, like a ton of kids. So it was a lot of kids. They, they had free. It was all free tickets, uh, and it was mostly tourists attending Universal Orlando. Yeah, uh, and it was the same. It was they always. I think they have like two or I think it's two stages at Nickelodeon. It could be four. Uh, I remember it was at the same time as uh, Nick Arcade, Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had all sorts of like different game shows. I think all that just debuted. I'm not sure. Um, Do you remember the Nickelodeon time capsule? Yes. I, I I have never felt more betrayed than, than when I found out that they dug up the Nickelodeon time capsule. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because the story is uh, the Nickelodeon Time Capsule, which was at Nickelodeon Studios, which was, by the way, hosted by Mike O'Malley. <laughs> oh, wow. That special was go. hosted by Mike O'Malley. Uh, and they had things like the video camera and like VHS tapes <laughs> and magazines. <laughs> and it was at Nickelodeon Studios right next to the fountain. And then next because the they no longer had it, they had to take it off premises and they moved it over to the hotel, the Nick Hotel in Orlando. And then when that hotel went under, they took it out and they flew it to California to the new Nickelodeon uh, uh, offices where that's now where it is. Uh, Do you think that there was like like – like a courier who had to carry the Nickelodeon time capsule inside of like a, like a briefcase filled with, with like Gak and, you know, ha- like, like handcuffed to his, to his hand while armed with a Nerf gun, like a kid, like, like a, like, like, like an agent Cody Banks type that's being Nickelodeon. That's how I, yeah. You're just thinking agent Cody Banks was there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, here's every item from the Nick time capsules going into it. According to mental floss, I had the, so- I had the source by way lined up. If you were going to bring that up, that's how smart did, oh, did I am I with this show. <laughs> I have a time capsule up. I have Michael Malley's resume up. I have every obstacle from guts up. I have champions up. Here is every single item from the Nick time capsule. Let's Home Alone and Back to the Future on VHS. 
a the, CD. The, wait, 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 wait. The original Back to the Future or Back the original to the Back to the Future Part One. Good call. Good call. Both, uh, both, C- both good calls. CDs. Uh, two ver- two CDs. One of which is "Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him." <laughs> That's good. Good. And Michael Jackson's "Dangerous." Damn. Um, we the, these were a gift to the future. A Nintendo Game Boy. Good. Rollerblades. Some Reebok pumps, which remember at the time that was where the newest shoes, the pumps. Pumps were awesome. Um, the the funny thing about pumps was was, was uh, they they caused like a ton of uh, disruption um, in in my grade school because like all the kids, uh, boys mostly, although they did have like girls pumps. And and, and just to be clear, like sneakers apart from sizing differences like like there, there there should not be boys and girls sneakers i i i object to that on on principle um but uh most of mostly it was it was boys at my at my school who had the the pumps and um the funny thing about the pumps is so like the kids would sit in class and constantly be like pumping them up and then like uh, you know deflating them but if you pumped them up too much the little air bladder inside of them would pop uh, and so, like, like there were there was a couple times throughout the year that like one of one of the cool kids who was messing around with with his his Reeboks uh, would overinflate it. And then you'd hear a pop, and then he'd get all upset and like have to go to the office because he was crying about uh, blowing up his uh, his uh, sneakers. <laughs> uh, which now that I say the part about the crying is not so funny. <laughs> hey, hey, for all we know, that person's probably a real jerk right now. <laughs> Oh, they might be. You never know. Or it could have been me. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) I was always one of the Velcro people. All right. um, A a jar of Gak, which was given to them by Dr. Emmett Brown, costume character from Nickelodeon, or or from Orlando, because Back to the Future is a ride. Nice. Joey Lawrence, whoa, 92 hat, which he also (laughs) stopped by. (laughs) <laughs> Joey Lawrence. Whoa. <laughs> um, some news reports. Uh, a girl standing atop of Soviet tank in a red square during the communist hardliners coup attempt in August 1991. All right. A coverage of the AIDS crisis, uh, Operation Desert Storm, and the end of the Soviet Union. <laughs> Imagine 100 years into the future, and it's like, oh. Socialism actually works. <laughs> You're reading a, hey, you see, everyone's against socialism. <laughs> You're socialism all works, this marketing but, uh, garbage. Reformism does not. Um, and uh, what was the commercial that uh, that uh, Gorbachev um, was in? Oh, he was in a Pizza Hut commercial. He betrayed. He betrayed. He betrayed Marx's and and Lenin's great. Uh, you know, great, great experiment um, because he wanted, he wanted pizza. Um, but then again, you know, I too uh, wanted pizza and that's why I was a part of uh, the, uh, whatever that, that, that reading program was with like, oh, the, the, book it, the book it program. Book it. Yeah. 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 Book it. He, took, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev was, was also probably seduced by the free pizza of yeah. uh, of the pizza the, book it program, he wanted the bumper yes. sticker and the, the Soviet book it program where they made him read uh, Adam Smith's "The Wealth of Nations." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, uh, yeah, no, these are th these are all really good items so far. Like, I I I'm impressed by this. Um, and incidentally, like, isn't it funny how how uh, Nickelodeon was trying to be like like a serious news outlet? There, there was a thing in the '90s where like kids were supposed to be into news. Um, under L -O -B. They, <laughs> yes, Nick News W five plus H, which uh, with uh, Linda Allerby. Um, there was there was like there were a couple of like kids newspapers that you could oh, subscribe yeah. there to was, uh, the there was a time for kids a time magazine for kids i remember yep uh yeah it, it was a weird thing like I, I i think that what was happening was like as you know cable news was was getting popular um it became kind of like like cool to be into the news as a thing <laughs> which in, in a very like like west wing um you know hey sort kids. of uh, it's yeah. coloring book color bill clinton and al gore <laughs> I remember um, in uh, fifth or sixth grade, um, I got I got mad at a kid because she said, uh, "Wow, I've never lived through a war before," and this was in suburban New Jersey, and she was referring to uh, to, to uh, Desert Storm, um, or maybe it was Desert Shield. Uh, but um, I got mad about that because clearly we were not living through a war. Other people were living through a war. It was just a war going on around around the same time. Um, but uh, I shouldn't have gotten uh, mad about it. Sorry about that, Nina. Nina, Nina, we know you're a big fan of Nickel and Guts. We decided to tell <laughs> it to you on this. Um, also, uh, books included a world atlas at the time, a history book, a comic book. They never specified which one. A hmm. phone book, the Orlando TV Guide for the week of April 30th, 1992, a, <laughs> a copy of the Book of Endangered Species, yeah. an issue of Nickelodeon Magazine, <laughs> hmm. a Nicktoons t-shirt featuring Ren and Stimpy. That's cool. A piece of the Berlin Wall, uh, a Barbie doll, pencils, a skateboard, a baseball, uh, some Twinkies. A stick of bubblegum, but no one knows which kind. Photos of things that were too big to fit inside, including bicycles, planes, cars, trains, politicians, and celebrities. A videotape featuring the live ceremony shot by a girl named Vicky, who stood on stage to operate the kid cam. And, and the was camera it buried itself. inside of the capsule? And the camera itself. Yeah. Uh, it was there till 2005, and then was moved to the Nickel and Sweets Resort, uh, and now it's over at the Nickelodeon business offices. It's really right down the street. It, it, if you go to BugCon 2020, <laughs> it's like nine blocks away. What is is there a set date that it is set to be opened? Uh, it is set to be open, because this was 1992. It's set to be open April 30th, 2042. So 22 wow. years from now. Well, I will be, I I will be fifty nine. I'll be almost sixty. I will be fifty four. I'll be the uh, old enough to be the curmudgeon on a new reboot. Old enough of the 60 to party. Minutes. <laughs> I'll be a a cranky op ed writer. I guess that's probably where I'm going to see myself in twenty years. Uh, in the pool, boogie down. Uh, Rapids active players hooked in horses used a rope to pull themselves from one end to a pool to another while on knee board boogie board high-fiving a spot at the end white water Rapids active players had to paddle an inflated raft around two buoys 
totally tubular, uh, three lanes. Each player had an equal number of inner tubes. They had to swim and grab the inner tubes and get to the end. Splashdown. Uh, inner inflated tubes attached to each player with bungee cords, triangular fashion. One player in each tube. Reactive active, shook the tubes with their bodies in an attempt to knock the opponents into the pool. It was only played three times. Invisible hmm. Boat, which we played Wave Runner, which is not what I expected. Um, it's the same as White Water, except now they have pylons. All right. Hang 10, which was with the bodyboard surfboard and the 10 buoys. Grab as many buoys as possible. Get it? Hang 10, 10 bu- Okay, mm-hmm. that's funny. Uh, power ski. Hanging on a hor- harness, players' feet were attached to a special trick water ski with the wave ball active. The object was for players to pull themselves from one end of the pool to the other and back while on a ski, high-fiving the spotters at each end. I remember that. I, I very distinctly remember that. Um that particular game it, it's funny like like i watched a ton of guts um and i've only remembered like eight or nine of these i, I don't even know god knows how many you've you've mentioned like we've, we've got to be up to like 60 games or so between the, the the various different events five seasons and they always had new like new events every season they always pushed for them in the early parts uh, strapped to a water ski surfboard, players had to pull themselves from one end of the pool to the back. However, five bullies were lined up in a player's path, and the contestant had to maneuver their way around the buoys in a, in a slalom fashion. Remember to high-five. If you didn't navigate, you got a two-second penalty. All right. Uh, and then we had field events. Field events were all sorts of weird ones. Um, free kick, which was uh, cannon shooting soccer balls, blocked them from hitting the goal. <laughs> Aces, several Kanan shot a series of tennis balls. Use the racket to whack as many serves. Wild pitch was the one we saw today. <laughs> you want to care to explain that one? Because it is nuts. Yeah, it's um so if I if I understood what was going on correctly, there were basically like four or five of, of the helpers who had a it was not clear if they were like tennis ball cannons, I I I'm assuming. Yes. Um but they, it seemed like there were two cannons for each for each kid. Um, the kids were wearing kind of like uh, like a catcher's um, armor and and pads. Um, and and then when the when it started, the uh, the the helpers just started sh- firing tennis balls uh, at high velocity at the kids, and they were I think that they were supposed to dodge them. Correct? They were supposed to dodge them. Yeah. Um. And uh, I remember they 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 chided one of the kids for for knocking the balls out of the way and instead of dodging them um and it seemed almost uh it seemed a little sadistic so i i i wonder if there was an element of uh the the, the helpers are are sick of the shit from these kids and and they're gonna pelt them with 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 balls from from so you know, the original weapons. version was basically get dot was dodge the baseballs or tennis yeah. balls and then in the later half they gave him a a baseball bat and just said, if you hit the ball with the bat, it counts as a point. Most points wins. Hmm. Cause I think people were just like, you confused, like, so wait, they have to dodge the baseball, but the hell is that baseball? Right. <laughs> um, fumble was, uh, with football equipments and elastics. They had to grab it. And then it was like a, and then it was scr- scramble where they had rugby balls instead. Um, grab a ball. It was, it was kind of like that. It was kind of like a, you know, like that, uh, that carnival game where it's a big inflatable and there's the big stretchy rubber band and you had to reach as far as you can before it pulls you back. It was like one of those. Uh, slap shot. Same, but with hockey. Rugby. Same, but with rugby. 
blast it. It's uh, circle balls, elevated tubes, grab the ball, uh, and, and keep going. Uh, then there is a vertoboggan. Model after tobogganing, each player would navigate a toboggan down a fabricated ski slope. Uh, making sharp turns. Uh, then there was the same with the edge. And then spin out, which was a sluge version of that. This was all later, 1994s. But it all leads up to the aggro crag, or the mega crag, or if we're talking the last half, the super aggro crag. Uh, the point skyrocket, 725, 553, 75. And uh, the, you have to hit all the axe including the final one at the peak of the crag. So so I have kind of a game theory uh, theory about the aggro crag, which is um, so each of each of the players uh, is on their own course. Yes. Um, and at the top of the course, there's these foam rocks that get released at a certain point. Um, I know exactly but exactly when they like get they, released, by the way. I know exactly when they get released. It's 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 when the first kid reaches like the 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 end of like uh, the zigzag, right? It is the penultimate actuator getting fired is when they drop, and it's oh, only their okay. version. It, sometimes there is a a technical miss, and they hit both because it like that's all what I was there. That's what I was gonna say. Is is in this one, two of them definitely started falling at the same time, and the other one fell like shortly after. And it seemed like like that the other two players were well behind uh, the first kid, um, and so it seemed like I don't know. May, maybe they didn't intend to set them all off then, um, but that was gonna be my game theory I, I, idea, which is like maybe it's bad to be you know the very first person to get to the final actuator like maybe it's slightly advantageous um to you know receive the the foam rocks at, at another point I, I don't know man those the, those foam rocks as a kid seemed very intimidating and uh as an adult I, i'm pretty sure you could just kind of ignore them i'm, I'm assuming uh all right so <clears throat> here are the violations this is what gets you disqualified from the aggro crag inadvertently crossing to another player's path, obviously, using the railing to finish climbing up the mountain instead of the rock climb. Okay, that makes kind of sense. They later dropped the rule in later seasons because the unfair nature of the first two. Uh, accidentally hitting someone else's actuator, which has happened. Uh, making a false start at the beginning of the climb, like before Mo blows the whistle. Uh, finishing the climb without lighting all your actuators, which has happened. Uh, not stepping on all the boulders in the Crags Boulder Canyon uh, section of the base of the mountain. Disqualified uh, players usually end up not stepping on the last one, in the, which is a very small one. Uh, there has been double disqualifications in this event as well. And the highest possible score, if you play all five events and you win all the maximum points, is 1,925. And it's been achieved in 16 episodes. Um, it makes sense um you know it's it's funny watching this now the aggro crag didn't seem as as intimidating as as i remember it now that i am but you, you are know. you did watch the season one version <laughs> you did that's watch, that's fair you didn't see a super aggro crag version uh but you know what i did notice um the the glowing piece of their awesome rock uh did seem larger it, um it was than, a little it was a like, very big, very big. Um, yeah, it was. It was enormous. It was like this. It was like half the size of 
the kid who who won it um who again not to spoil the episode if you really care about the outcome of season one of a 20 year old episode of a game show that has been on replays actually uh, no, no, i think about it because this is 94 right so this is like the 25th so. anniversary we're celebrating 25 years of guts 25 years of guts there we go there we go do you have it? Yes, and we have for 25 great years. Um, Laura wins as she won um, most of the events, except for the first one. Uh, and um, it, you know, it, it, it looked close. Did you notice, um, Jordan, that they, they cut to the high angle? Uh, which I, I think they, they usually did that for like if there were two people on the wall at the same time. It, it actually wasn't close at all because... Uh, one of them got almost up to the top and then like one of the like refs ran over and was like, Oh, you missed an actuator. Um, and, and had to like go back down and, and hit it. So actually like Laura was like, f- like c- clear in a way, like going to win. Um, and basically just shot up the mountain, uh, l- launched herself up the wall. Like it, 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 it was astonishing. Made the other kids look like chumps. Um, <laughs> absolutely got, 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 got chumped by her and uh, i i think that the uh the spill your guts section said that she was 11 and I, I think the other kids were like a few years older so just like i said chumped absolutely clowned upon it was it was real good uh delicious um and we went through all those events and it's such an iconic show because of the way they handle mo mo i this was like my first like attempt of like thinking like oh yeah you can actually have co-hosts to the show mo yep. isn't like a vanna she isn't like uh like a like just the the a, a lady host that's supposed to be looking nice and demonstrating products she's kind of the host more than mo than mike o'malley in, in strong regards yeah mike o'malley is almost like the court jester um imagine uh, you are larry bird in the grand yeah. slams of the world series and you're just <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't feel he doesn't feel like he has authority um the way that say a mark summers uh has on on his shows he just kind of feels like he's there to be background entertainment he's he's a little bit like a very low-key boston version of ruby rod from the fifth element like <laughs> that's actually a great <laughs> I never get, put get that in the kid's face right now, but yeah, that really is. Wow, yeah, that, that actually is a nail on the head there. And like you, you go there, and it's just like it's the most '90s game show out there. For a while, it was actually like my favorite game show. Like I would say, Guts is my favorite game show. More than Double I think Dare, it is. More yeah, than it's. Uh, I mean, like at, at least in terms of the game shows that I grew up with. Um, it's it's got to either be Guts or Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, I think that uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple came in stronger in terms of like set design and like concept. Like it's a very like like Legends has an incredible concept uh, for 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 a game show. We talked about it um, somewhat extensively. I, I remember during uh, the Funhouse episode, which I don't know what number that was. Uh, but if you all are are enjoying this, definitely go back and listen to the episode uh, that uh, my my lovely wife and I uh, were on to talk about uh, the other kids game show, Funhouse, where we, we Funhouse kinda... episode fifty six. Thank you, episode fifty six. There we go. Yeah. Um, but uh, like guts, as it went on, they definitely refined 
the I, I think the aspect of the show that improved was the aggro crag significantly feels much more intimidating and so like in this in this early episode not as much uh but in the in the later episodes it almost feels like a like a threat hanging over the games like oh you think you think you're doing well you haven't even gotten to the real shit yet my friend of course though you know these being kids you would say the real stuff um and you know it was it was only once you reached the aggro crag that you would find out whether you did indeed uh have the guts to go conquer this massive this radical rock this monstrous mountain Featuring a blizzard, snowstorms, and nuclear flying crystals. What's a nuclear <laughs> flying? Are we giving these kids some like damage by throwing nuclear flying crystals in their face? Uh, you, you know, it's uh, it's helpful. I, I, I'm sure it's it's healthy. A little a little bit of radiation never hurt anyone. A little water, a little here me. and there. Um, and I didn't show this to you, but they actually brought it back. They brought back guts. Uh, really nice family game show called my family's got guts i i don't i don't like how that sounds oh don't worry <laughs> it lasted two seasons and it's a team of four versus a team of four and they do two events and then the aggro crack and it's a pass and play version of the aggro crack and you basically it's a multi-part thing where you gotta build a three-part radical rock aggro crag and the more you go into the crag, the more it's it's more gimmicked. And now there's like a, a water slide and then like a, a freeze maze okay. where there's like a different like door maze you have to go through inside of this aggro crag, which is supposed to be like a cool rock climbing thing. I've always remembered it as the rock climbing thing. That's interesting. It was um, hosted by Ben Lyons, who does movie reviews. <laughs> I I. I feel like um you know you could there's there's still an appeal there it's appeal um, but this wasn't it <laughs> and that's all yeah, i'm gonna say like, even though jeff suffin was a producer of that and he's kind of a new he's like a big time nickelodeon game show host he does a lot of game shows these days this was one of his things this was one of the first nick revivals eh, no but what i remember about it was they did a parkour course they did a parkour event and i thought that's okay. cool that is cool. So, um, so little side story, uh, about, like five or six years ago, I went to uh, a parkour gym where a friend of mine had gotten like a group on, um, and it was like you and three friends go come to like the this this intro parkour classes, and it was like you know like like twenty bucks. Uh, so I went there, um, and I, I felt pretty good about myself um, un- until towards the end, I like I like pulled a muscle really badly trying to uh, to like vault up up on top of a wall um and then i was like limping around for weeks afterwards but but the point of this story is is not that um the point of this story is that while while us us adults were kind of like struggling uh to you know run up walls and like hang on by our fingertips and do all that wonderful parkour stuff there was a group of like eight-year-olds who were there for a kid's parkour class and they were doing backflips off of walls. They're just like, you know, doing cartwheels up stuff. They were they were jumping off of these these obstacles that were, you know, two to three times the relative size of us com- compared to them. They were jumping off of like the the higher um, obstacles and like landing flat on the pads and just kind of bouncing up. And it absolutely blew me away. And it made me realize that um, they could have gone much harder. I think on guts. Um, if Absolutely. they, 
and and I'm not necessarily saying that we should make kids compete in dangerous gladiatorial games, but we should make kids compete in dangerous gladiatorial games. Um, now, <laughs> especially, I mean, Hunger Games, very very popular franchise. I, I'm not saying anybody needs to die; that would be very bad. Um, but you know, I, I think I, I think we can go from an awesome rock to maybe uh, you know something maybe closer to the dangers uh, room from from X Men. Um, something, oh, no. something maybe closer to I, I don't know, like like really test their metal, um, up the prizes, up the danger, up the risk. Uh, you know, I I mean, re- re- really go for it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, sure. <laughs> I don't think that's your your. So in the should the show be revived? If so, how? You're not only saying yes, you're saying yes, but make it more dangerous. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, okay. So like, obviously, I'm joking around. You know, like as a parent myself, I am very concerned about about the welfare of kids. Um, but like, I I do think that uh, when you look at something like American Ninja Warrior, um, I think you don't need to tone it down as much as they do that type of thing in in guts. And, and I mean, even within the episode that that we watched. Um, the difficulty of the games varies heavily. So, like in the one that that we watched, uh, you know the 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 bungee nerf one was like um, towards the high side of the like kinetic challenge. Um, like they're jumping pretty far, like, pretty high in the air, and then they go from that to like the obstacle course. The obstacle course is like like a Burger King you know playground level but they fall uh, off things they do a slide (laughs) yeah i mean like those are toys those are not challenges um (laughs) and and so like what what i'm saying is like if it should at least be like if you have an obstacle course it should at least be as intimidating as funhouse where there's like the floors moving there's these weird like actuated things um the i i I don't know I, i i would I would have liked to see more events that combined um, the competition aspect of the the bow and arrow with the the movement aspect of the movement based games. Um, I like as funny as it was to watch the one where they were getting pelted with with you know tennis balls. Like w- watching watching players stand more or less perfectly still after you've watched them running and climbing and stuff is is not not super interesting. So I. I I think I think they should lean more into that, uh, lean more into the like the the athleticism of it, um, and I, I don't know. I, I think I think people would watch that. I think kids especially would 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 watch that. And like what you can do with like production values now is is so, so much higher. I, I think like if if you got this revived on on you know Netflix, um, you you could do so much more impressive stuff than they were doing on on Guts. Alrighty. Well, see, this is the tough one I had because I I say yes, this should be revived. It's the I don't know if I want to keep it like individual and make it a team game with like a pair of two rather than a family of four. Uh, but I think it should be if I had to pick, I'd go classic guts. Keep the three players, uh, individuals, and keep like some of these games could still hold up now. Like, we are in a world of tech where this can still work, but you have to upgrade some of the events. Like, for instance, I think the basic train course, like we just said, uh, it's kind of toned down. I think it should be more parkour. Like, parkour gyms are all the rage, and the obstacles in that are bizarre. You can easily just replicate an American Ninja Warrior course 
instead of this uh, go up the cargo net and then slide down a slide and then go through some wires and then (laughs) again man that's that's like that's that's playground stuff and kids have no problem with with that like like I see our four year old do guts level athleticism just like goofing around at a playground and she's four um the slightly older kids are like doing flips and and you know r- running up stuff and yes it's dangerous a little bit but like there's there's ways to mitigate that it, you know keep them in the hardest the whole time so that if if they fall you can like yoink them up off of the obstacle or something i, I don't know there's i'm sure that there's production ways of of making it oh, safer so you can, there's a lot of new safety things you can do everything can be safer you can easily replicate some of these i mean there's like we think about it this like six years ago what five six years ago we just had the uh those little like mini scooters where you're just standing on something and they're like a hoverboard you can now do a hoverboard race in guts you mm-hmm. can do all sorts of weird mini games you oh, can do go-kart racing you can do <laughs> here's a pitch for you jordan here's a pitch for you to combine with i i like where you're going with your guts pitch um make it Make it kids versus adults. Oh, I don't know. I want to do that, but I sounds that sounds interesting. Not I, not 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 like I, I mean. Okay, so like the people competing in in American Ninja Warrior have been training for it, right? Uh, don't don't do that. Don't get like adults who've been training. I'm saying just get like adults, yeah. like regular off the street adults. Give them like a day of prep. And then be like, all right, go and do do the same thing with a group of like twelve year olds or, or thirteen year olds. And if nothing else, um, it would be hilarious because I, I think that the kids would absolutely crush the adults. And you want to see parents eat shit. <laughs> just like I, just I, fall in your face. Yeah. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be great? And and again, it's okay, so so here's where I'm going with this. Um what what was one of the foundational concepts of that like 80s 90s disney revolution the parents the are concept. dumb the kids are smart exactly it was the concept that there's a conflict between parents and kids and the kids are engaged in this like secret battle against the adults so many of their like most beloved shows had that aspect and uh you know you know kids shows still to a degree have have that but um i, I think increasingly the kids are just off in like their own little world and not directly competing and there's certainly nobody now who has who has a a brand to their content that's as strong as as you know nickelodeon's was and i think it's time to bring that back um i i think that uh what's what, what what's that quote um the the uh the the old age dies a new age struggles to be born now is the time of nickelodeon guts and monsters um so I'm, I'm i'm saying make it like an ideological conflict between young and old and also restore to us the concept of a rite of passage um and what better rite of passage for a child than to defeat their parents or parents um in a physical challenge so that's that that's my pitch unless their parents are like in their 60s and they're like gonna break their back trying to do like a no do it challenge. do it do it i don't i don't make the rules i mean in this hypothetical i am but you know uh and so i i would say we're bringing back classic rules apply new games based on new worlds and new realities 
you can't do Mo and Mike anymore. I mean, you could bring back Mo, Mo uh, if you bring want. Bring back Mo and and give give Mo the driver's seat. That's what I say. You give and then like you got, and then I would say get commentators. Like I want a play by play in a color. And I think one should be like a dude perfect or a Michael Malley kind of just weird. I'm not saying get Bill Burr on the line, but you need someone who has that stink like sports broadcast attitude. And then you get a every episode because this is Nickelodeon now. Nickelodeon's all about getting guest celebrities on all their game shows. Yeah. So I oh, would man. say, get oh a, man. You can get a celebrity. Oh, you can get a sports star on the show. Yes, exactly. And make them compete. Make them compete with the adults. So you want to see like uh like I want to see Kawhi the Rock Leonard. And four 50-year-old parents against a bunch of 12-year-olds trying to go through obstacles. and James Harden in a basketball competition. <laughs> yes, would that be awesome? I I mean only if like this oh, on the condition of the athlete is on with the kids. Like you have to have the one athlete with the kids. So that's like their fair advantage. Too. Yeah. 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 That's, that's like the coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be on board with that new show, but that's not gonna be guts. That's like a whole new state. <laughs> that's like a pros no, versus it's, Joe's it's, kind of thing. It's still, I'm on board it's with. Guts. It's still guts. Um, uh, okay. So, so for Mo, I think that Mo needs to take on, uh, a, uh, ch- uh, uh, a chairman type role. Like, uh, like like, like a Nate's, like a like a silver like a <laughs> NFL guy <laughs> just like he she just wears a suit. <laughs> yes, yes. She she observes the proceedings. Like it's it's going on to to amuse and and uh, entertain her basically. It's like Hunger Games too. <laughs> She's yeah. the Elizabeth Banks character in Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, and then KPL scores the same. Everyone gets the gold medal. Everyone gets the the glow stick prize. It's just like a glow stick. It's not like uh, the radical rock, the aggro crag, and that's it. No prizes other than the gold medals or silver medals or bronze medals in the trophy. That's how I would have done guts. That's how I would have done it. Um, but I like this new concept we're creating here. This new yeah, you need. You 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 need conflict. You need intergenerational conflict. It is it is one of the purest and deepest aspects of our society that the younger generation always struggles against the older generation. Um, and to <laughs> see that like play out, just like in politics, just like in politics, just like in politics. Hint hint. Um, but uh, but but just as just as in politics, sometimes the champion of the younger generation. Uh, is an is an old man, um, who 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 yet who is yet spry for his age. Um, so you know, but I'm then, not but saying. That, but the thing is, though, I like your concept <laughs> because here I'm actually like now I'm actually like thinking into this. I'm not even like joking. Like I'm putting into your perspective like like four different events with different point values, and it's all based on different sports, and it's always the group. One team is all parents, like moms and dads of the kids. And they're all led by like the jokey comedian guy because you have to have like the 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 smart Alec, and then the other team is of the kids who definitely know what's going on, and they're led by the guest uh, athlete of the night. Uh, and I'm thinking like things like Megan Rapinoe from the from the World Cup, the latest World Cup last year, and it's like yeah, imagine yeah. her being like a moral support athlete, like come on, do your best work, do the thing. 
you can do this and believe in yourself. And she's giving positive messages to kids, not just on the field, but on camera as they do like the bungee cord basketball game. Or <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. And I mean, you know, uh, kids, kids like sports, kids like, kids like celebrities. Kids and like I think it should adults. be outdoor arena next. I think it should be outdoor because that way you can have can rain. You can have like, it's Florida, right? Yeah. We can do it in Florida. You can have rain every time. Have that cool rain effect. In the mangrove swamps with gators. Yeah, you can, I don't know if we want to put kids near the gator swamp, but I th- I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, but uh, no, like this is, I'm thinking here, you're like a sports broadcasty kind of thing. You got to think like a, a children level, like who are the stars that they know? And they're showing up to either on this version of Guts that I pitch, where it's just like they're the color commentator giving like the fun advice, talking to the kids. Or in this version that you're talking about what versus the parents, where they're like the team captain and they're just there to just celebrate the kids and be like, yeah, you're the next generation. I'm supporting you guys. That's right. Uh, as the dads are like, I played football in high school. It's like, yeah, that's nice. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, you got that, it. I, I mean, I mean, there's there's so many possibilities. You know, this is really weird. I have to like, we have to hit stop record eventually, and like <laughs> write us all down, pitch it, because this might be an actual big hit on Nickelodeon. It um, could be, and and you know what? There's so Rob much, Gronkowski there's... showing up. Going, yeah, yeah, everything's fun. Kids are fucking cool. And they're like, Gronk, you can't say fuck. Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk, yes. James Hetfield. <laughs> well, it's in a music contest. <laughs> no, no, no. Just, just he, he just seems to have the energy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but then if we use his music, he's going to get pissed at us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before. We get going, Kurt. One final question, because you're a returning champion. We don't do speed rounds. We have time for one final question here. <clears throat> Besides the aggro crag, what is your favorite event? Um, like so, so like category of game All or of like the above. specific Everything game? I've said counts. Hmm. Now I'll tell people, all my people at home. My favorite was off the wall, followed by zero G. All right. Um, you can do invisible boat. <laughs> Just no, it's not. It's not invisible boat. Um, hang ten, hang ten, hang ten was my favorite. I I, I remember it because there it, it there's a sense of real struggle. Because if I, I remember correctly, you have to pull yourself across yes. with your arms. Yeah, yes. and there's and a sense of real that, struggle. There were contestants that nearly drowned on that show, in that event. Well, that's not that's not fun. Um, oh, but, always fun. But the struggle is fun. Kids the gators fun. drowning, <laughs> fun. Um, hang ten. Uh oh. Well, before we get going, I forgot to bring up one thing, too, because I guess I have that full closure here. This is the Nickel and Guts episode. They made a Super Nintendo video game for Guts. Really? There is a oh, Su- wow. Nickel and Guts video game for Super Nintendo, and it and it rotates between an aerial challenge and then like a really shit platformer that's supposed to be like the obstacle course, and then another shit aerial event, and then another platformer, and then the aggro crag. And the aggro crag is kind of like the shit platformer. 
It sounds like the Three Stooges game for the original uh, Nintendo. Did you ever play that? Yes. Now it's oh, yeah, oh. famously like one of the worst video games oh. ever made. It's incoherent, makes no sense. Well, it was like mini games too. This was kind of like, and then imagine you have a mo, and the mo is like because it's a SNES cartridge, and you hear I will. <laughs> Uh, it don't. It's not a good game, <laughs> folks. If you're looking for a bad game to play on your uh, on your uh, streams or Let's Play channel, play Nickelodeon Guts. Uh, <laughs> be sure to tag me on Twitter at Jordha J O R D H A, and and, and uh, I'm sorry in advance, Kurt. What where what are, what are you up to? Where can people find you? Oh man, I'm I'm all over the place. Uh, so as as we mentioned in passing before. Uh, my wife, Denise, and I host a uh, children's media and parenting podcast from a, uh, a let's, let's say, a far-left perspective called Parents Just Don't Understand. Um, we break down uh, the ideology and lessons and pedagogy of uh, different children's media, past and present. So, you know, recently we've been, we, we did some stuff where we talked about uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, we talked about uh, Batman the Animated Series with uh, our mutual acquaintance L- Leslie the Third of Circle Session, uh, our our own uh, Jordan Haas and uh, Trevor Drinkwater joined us to talk about uh, DC Superhero Girls. Um, it's it's a good time. Um, we we've o- always have a blast. Uh, we we kind of dig into what lessons can kids learn from this and what lessons might they accidentally uh, learn from it? We just did an episode on frozen and frozen two. Um, and uh, by the time that this episode is out though, uh, I, I will have done an episode about uh, the, the very racist pulp adventure show, Johnny quest. Oh, um, like which with, version, uh, like the early sixties version or the new adventures. Well, so so I'm I'm speaking in the future, so I will say we talked about, although it hasn't happened yet here in the present, uh, we we talked primarily about uh, the the old '60s version, a little bit about the '80s reboot, a little bit about the '90s reboot, and then just as a as the icing on the cake, we also did kind of a compare and contrast uh, with the Venture Brothers, which of course is is an, an adultified. Uh, satire or, or parody, I guess, of adventure uh, of uh, Johnny Quest. The reason Sorry. I bring up uh, the new version is because the voice of Johnny Quest in that was J.D. Roth, host of really? House. It all comes really? together. Oh man, always comes back. It always comes back. Um, other stuff uh, I'm working on. I've been doing some uh, pop culture, media, and parenting blogging uh, on Substack at baddadapocalypse.substack.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Kurt M. Schiller and uh, via my podcast at Parents Pod. So that's it. And man, thank you for having me back on. It has been a blast. Uh, I, I love I love Nickelodeon Guts. Um, I, I love uh, hijacking other people's podcasts to, to talk about whatever random takes I have brought with me. Um, and it's, it's always fun. Got to have you back on uh, Parents Just Don't Understand again to talk about some, some more kids' game shows. Uh, or game show history, or hell, hell, man, there's you, you are an expert on so many things, uh, and it is always a a delight. You always come prepared, so would love to have you back in again in the near future. I'm sure this will happen in the near future. Thanks <laughs> again for stopping by. Thanks, Jordan. Bernie's gonna win. Hell yeah.
Thanks again to Kurt for stopping by. Uh, he, he, this was a great episode. I love talking to Kurt. I love parents just to understand one of my favorite podcasts out there, Dissecting Media. Uh, if you're a parent, please check it out. It's a little bit more clean than game shows, I suppose, because we say all the curse words on this show. And this and that has a great uh, familiar standpoint of that. that what I like about that podcast is the generation gap. I mean, like, usually I'm one of those, ugh, they're reviving things, and it's just, like, the parents trying to be like, like the thing that I used to like. Here, like the, like the baseball, because I used to play baseball. I watched Double Dare, because I grew up with Double Dare. And the way Kurt views, like, movies and TV shows, he, he comes from a standpoint where, yeah, he is a father, but he's also one where it's the analytical standpoint of, well, why do we do such a thing? And that's why I enjoy that podcast so much. Uh, back to Guts, because um, we really went through in depth with Guts. Uh, there was a mascot on Guts. There was this like weird yellow guy that was, that was usually like a slight animation on some of the events. His name was Stretch. Uh, there. That's a fun fact I had to write down. Stretch was a mascot for Guts. Uh, there was a height difference between Mo and Mike. So most of the time, when you saw Mo next to Mike doing like a recap or the halftime show, the it was because Mo was standing on an apple box. Uh, so not only that, they tried pitch many games. One of which was a human pinball game, and I'm assuming that was their attempt at an atmosphere, but it never really ended up being shown. Uh, or really play, probably for safety reasons. Um, and finally, I, we got to do the obvious ones. AJ McLean from Backstreet Boys was a contestant. That's one of the most common fun facts is, hey, you know that guy from the Backstreet Boys? He was a contestant on Guts. Um, but according to Entertainment Tonight, not only was that, but Bobby Boswell from the DC United Soccer Club. Uh, Gregory Lee Hanley, who performs in Broadway, was recently in Hamilton. And a stunt woman named Anna Mercedes Morris, which, given the amount of Hollywood stunt work that goes into guts, uh, made it a perfect career path for her. So that that makes a lot of sense. I love Nickelodeon Guts; still one of my favorite game shows. Uh, and and uh, just rewatching it, just that really did take me back. That that is one of the things where if 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 guts was more like pe or if p was more like guts i probably have not gotten my ass kicked so much in pe class uh now it's time for the 110 part series exploring every pricing game from the price is right this is the pricing game spotlight Magic number. Premiere day, September 14th, 1992, 9491D. Finale date, Bob Barker era, May 11th, 2007. Premiere day, Drew Carey, November 26, 2007. Magic number, stylized as magic, octave, pound sign, hashtag, is a game where a contestant selects a number between prices of two prizes. The contestant is told which is the least expensive of the two and which is the most expensive of the two. The contestant must find a magic number, a number that falls between the two prices. The number has to be higher than the price on the left, but lower than the price on the left. On the right, sorry. The exact numbers are inclusive, and it has happened once to win both 
prices. To do so, the contestant raises and lowers a lever attached to a prop. They'll increase or decrease the number displayed on a readout. When the contestant is finished setting the magic number, the actual retail price for both prices are shown one at a time. If the magic number isn't higher than the price on the left or lower than the price on the right, they lose the game. But if the magic number is higher than the price on the left or lower than the price on the right, they win both prizes. History. Magic number used to chime and when the winning bells whenever a win occurred early on. The chime was eliminated. Only the winning bell sounded when a win was occurred. On one occurrence, October 21st, 1997, contestant Audrey stopped the magic number at 1429. But as she pulled the lever, she did not notice that she actually misadjusted just below the center, causing the number to go down one at a time on its own. Noticing this, Bob and Audrey briefly had to move far from the game until he said if she wanted to go lower and did so. Stopping at 1140 and fixed the game, but Audrey won a higher magic number went higher and stopped at 1230. On top of that, she won the game. The game's computer originally rounded the contestant's guess to the nearest 10. The staff programmed it out once they discovered it was happening. In the mid-2000s, the sound effect on the numbers play counting up or down sounded very different. On October 6, 2017, Air Divor, June 29, 2018, the prices on the price tags received a new font. On March 30, 2018, the losing horns were not played. Oh, okay. Is this going to be the one that's like the new pricing game? Jeez, oh God, it probably is. Trivia, like gas money, more or less, Magic Number has never been the first pricing game to start any show. Because the game's computer needs time to start up. It needs to warm up. It needs to, it needs to boot up. The game can also be no earlier than second on the show. Uh, the most number of times this game was played in any season was 26. Magic Numbers won four new pricing games on 36. The bu- 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 <sighs> I don't... Look, I like Magic Number. I like that game because of the little... Uh, it's basically this cool effect, if you ever see it, where it's this cool little red ring and rotating yellow that makes it look like it's floating in midair. It's not. It's actually like an actual like screen that's just rotating. It's not like a video monitor in any way. And there's an egg crate display that moves up and down, and I like it a lot. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts of Magic Number. And what I like most about the tension of the game is if the... Because I think even because I think like Drew and Bob both have an earpiece sometimes, so they're told like get the highest or get the lowest, just to maximize the tension, so you know you got at least one of them right before getting into the second reveal. To me, that's what makes this game such a, a reliable game. It's also uh, a quick, easy scream, shout, chicken game because you want to get something in the middle. And that little gap between the two is all it is. So if one thing is like $3,000 and one game is $5,000, anything works. So $3,001, $4,999 works, $4,000 works, $3,850 works, $4,650 works. doesn't matter. And I like how that is, how it's programmed. And it's very enjoyable. I mean, they could have easily just had like a magic marker and just had you write down a bid or... They just could have had you say something, and if that's in the middle, it is. But what I've always thought it was was like a, a prize. Like if you put like – and this is something that's new to me, even though I, I, I knew better like five, six years ago. Originally, I thought the magic number was like an, a, like, like a check game where it was like if it, you've wrote $2,000 – uh, you win the prize and two thousand dollars and the other prize, but it's not. But um, it's it's okay. Uh, I think it's one of the easier AB games, uh, because it's two prizes. There's one little mechanic. It's a easy display. Uh, they still use the egg crate. 
uh, and it has this fun sound effect where it's like wind chimey sound effects, like and there's also if you ever see it, there's like an up and down, and it lights up too along with it, and I like that too. Um, that, that's all I can really say for this uh, game. Like I think I explained it. It's it, it, it's kind of reminds me of first and last. you got to get something that's in the middle between two things. And you don't know the price of the one on the left or the one on the right. You just know that's the range you have to deal with. And that's why I like it. Uh, magic number. It's a good game. Next time on the Pricing Game Spotlight, we're going to do a little cover-up. And that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check me out at Twitter at Jordha, J-O-R-D-H-A. Uh, where you can say hello, we are on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, five stars, all that random fun stuff. Let me know what game shows you want me to talk about for a future episode. We are also on patreon.com slash A new episode of my uh, my monthly recap show is there. And I think we're now on Spotify as well. So if you want to get Spotify down and listen there, you can as well. Game Shows, I suppose, is also available at jordanhaas.com slash podcast. All the archive is there. And we're on Facebook at Game Shows Podcast. Facebook.com slash Game Shows Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode and making a very special birthday episode for me. I hope to see you again next week, hopefully, where we will talk again about another great game show, I suppose. Until then, big smooch! It takes a certain kind of something to keep the heart pumping, something everybody needs to achieve to succeed. You'll need a lot. Do you have it? 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 Do you have it?
recorded in front of a live audience at Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando at Universal Studios Florida.